On this episode of Own Your Business, I'll break down how to track your sales numbers in five minutes a month so you can know what areas are working well, what needs to be improved, and clearly identify what you should be spending your time and money on in the coming months. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. Over the last five years, I'd say the number one issue that wedding professionals come to me about is their pricing. Am I priced too high? Am I priced too low? How should I present my pricing? What do I do with pricing on my website? All of these different questions about pricing. And I am happy to answer them. I love pricing. I've read dozens of books about pricing, taken courses in behavioral science on pricing, it's what I've done since 2006 is really think every single day about pricing and how it impacts the success and growth of a business, especially in the hospitality and event industry. But here's the thing. If pricing is the number one question that I get asked about, it's not even in the top 10 when it comes to the solutions that I spend time with my clients talking about, because it's really about something else not working. It's not about your pricing. It's about something else in the sales process or the overall buyer's journey that's not being done in a way that your potential clients want to see. And so when I think about the value that I bring to clients or to people who I present to live or virtual or on this podcast, you listening to this, I always keep in the back of my mind that the biggest value that I have is in finding the problem to solve, not in actually solving the problem. That's important too. Solving the problem is important, but pinpointing, identifying, determining what's really at issue, that's super important. I remember way back when in high school and into college, I spent a lot of time going through the total quality management or the Deming method. And there was a very specific problem solving approach that I learned back then. And I've applied in general terms ever since. And that is that the very first question you must ask before trying to solve a problem is, is there a problem? And the second question is, is there a commitment to solve the problem? So yes, there's a problem and yes, I'm committed to solving it. Then the very next thing is that you must define the problem. You have to identify what is at issue. After that, you can go through and collect data about the problem and its effects. And then you can dive into the causes for that problem. And then, only then, can you go through and offer potential solutions. When I think about what I do with clients or any question from a wedding pro about how can they grow their business, I hear from you, I'd like to know an answer about my pricing. And what I think is, is that really the issue? And are you committed to actually solving the problem that we find? Let's just say 
that if you keep listening to this, let's make an agreement, you and me right now, that you are committed to solving a problem that you know exists, but you don't know exactly what it is. And that's what I want to do today. I want to talk to you about how we can determine what is at issue with your business and why you're not getting the results that you want. Now, if your goal is to grow your business, you have to book more clients or you have to book fewer clients, but at higher rates. And of course, everybody wants the book less, add more and make more. But no matter what happens, you've got to make sure that your buyer's journey is set up to facilitate that happening. And so when we don't see the results that we want, whether it's more clients or better clients, more bookings or higher bookings, we have to dig in a little bit and try and figure out what's happening. Just the other day, I was on Facebook. I'm in a few groups in addition to our own. I saw somebody talk about where they were at with their bookings for 2022. They were a little bit worried. They had gone through and spent some money on getting a new website and and they had changed some of their pricing structure and they weren't sure if it was working or not. They felt like it wasn't, but they weren't certain what it was that was at issue. And so they had said in the group something to the effect of, I've only got X number of bookings. I feel like I should be at 2X number of bookings. Anybody have any ideas on what's going on? And the first thing that I did was rather than jump to solutions or say, hey, I went and looked at this or that, is I asked questions. And this is what I think is really, really valuable about a good business coach or just somebody like me who likes solving problems is that we seek to identify what the real problem is. So in this particular case, what I was trying to find out is, is it a getting enough inquiry issue or is it getting a good conversion rate issue? Is the issue related to not having enough inquiries in the inbox or is it an issue related to having enough inquiries but not being able to close the deal? Because that will allow us to focus on what we need to fix. And so what I found out with this particular situation is that he was not getting the kind of inquiries that he needed. And so because of that, I was then able to go through and spend time looking at things that were upstream from an inquiry hitting the inbox. And that was namely website and social media. Now, there's obviously a lot more that goes into it, but those are usually two good places to start. The website itself is almost always the culprit. When we go through and we think about your business and you're digging into what kind of things you should be focused on, I want you to break it down into three potential segments in the buyer's journey that you need to focus on. Number one, do you need to get more people into your website? Number two, do you need to get more people from your website into your inbox? Or number three, do you need to get more people from your inbox to a yes? Those are three big segments. The first one is marketing related. All the things that you do with your business that are marketing related should lead people to your website. Link in bio, check out my, my new site, a, a referral comes in from a planner or venue or a current or past client, they're going to send you to the website or they're going to go to Instagram and then go to your website. Any kind of advertising that you're doing, listing site that you're on, rich pin strategy, whatever it is, it's going to bring people back to your website. Right? This is what SEO is all about, getting people to your site. We want to check out, is that what the problem is? Are we getting enough people to the site? Second thing, are we getting people from the site to the inbox? And we can do that by looking at how many inquiries you have. And then the third thing is getting to yes. This is a sales issue. 
if we're getting the inquiries, but we're not getting the bookings, then we got to dig into the sales, getting to your website, getting to your inbox, getting to yes. These are the three segments we're looking at. Once we go through and identify which one's at issue or which ones are at issue, then we can start to offer solutions, but not until we know. So how do we gather the data, right? You with me on this? We're going to see if there's a problem and are we committed to solving the problem? Then we're going to define the problem. And now we need to go through and collect data. All right. So the data that we need to collect is super, super powerful when we put it down and we look at it on the whole over the course of months or even years. But what categories do we look at? What data do we collect? First of all, you don't have to spend a lot of time collecting data. I bet you could probably get all the information you need that I'm going to recommend in five minutes a month, maybe, maybe 10, five to 10 minutes a month. So we're going to call these KPIs, key performance indicators. How well are you performing at certain key areas based on the data that we collect? All right. I'm going to give you about seven or eight that I think are really, really important to keep track of. All right. Number one, website visits. This is a key performance indicator that you can simply track by going to Google Analytics and looking up over the course of a month. And I'd recommend a month on all of these, just once a month, 12 times a year. At the first of the month, you go back and you look at the previous month and you check out your analytics and you write down how many unique website visitors you had. And what this does is this measures how effective your marketing was. All of those things that you did, all of those TikTok videos or reels, posts, getting on different vendor lists, the referrals that you wanted to get from planners, whatever it may be, they're all going to your website, right? The goal of all marketing is to get people to go to your website. So we want to look at how many people you successfully got to go to your website. We want to track that every single month. Now, the next thing that you would want to look at is time on site. And this is a simple measure of engagement. You could look at things like bounce rate or page depth, pages per session, whatever it may be. But I just like to look at time on site. How much time are people spending on your site? Ultimately, that's what you want to know is how much people are engaging with your brand. The more time they spend on your website, the more likely they are to buy something from you and the more likely they are to pay a higher price. So our goal is to get not just a lot of website visits, but to hook them and to keep them engaged and keep them shopping around. So time on site measures engagement with your brand. The third thing is contact page visits. How many unique page views did you have on your contact page? Ultimately, what you're trying to do with your website is get people to inquire. It's the number one job of the website, get people to inquire. Unless you're in luxury and most of your referrals are coming in from planners and that's what they're, they're doing is not getting the inquiry, but looking at your business and, and ultimately picking you from the set of people that they have been given by the planner. But for 95% of the wedding pros who are in the wedding industry, it's going to be focused entirely on getting people to inquire as the number one goal. So we want to look at that stopover point, which is the contact page. How many unique page views are you getting with your contact page? And the reason why we want to measure this is because the ratio of people who visit your contact page and who visit your site should be a higher number if you're doing the right things on your website. You want to see that number go up. If you make improvements on your website, the percentage of people who go to the contact page as a percentage of the visitors who are on your site in the first place will go up. It'll notch up. 
if you want to know if you putting your pricing on your services page or increasing your prices on your services page had a good or a bad impact or no impact, you check out how many people went to your contact page. If you want to know if the photos that you swapped out did any good, you go to your contact, you check out your contact page and see how many people went there. If it goes down as a percentage, the changes you made were not good. If it goes up as a percentage, the changes you made were good. Now there are other factors that are involved and there are other things that you can check and you can get more granular with this, but this is the simple ratio that you're looking for. You want to keep this number creeping up. The next KPI that we're looking at number of inquiries. I'm shocked at how many wedding professionals don't know how many inquiries they get each month. You should absolutely keep track of it. In fact, if this was, you know, one of two numbers out of all of the KPIs that I'm going to tell you, this is one of them. You have got to know how many inquiries you're getting because it's one of the magic numbers in the formula for your success. You have to know how many inquiries you're getting to see how effective all of your marketing and your website is for your business. So we just check the number of inquiries we get. I'm not talking about qualified inquiries or unqualified inquiries because we're not necessarily focused on that. What we're focused on is how effective are you with getting people to your inbox. So measure that every month. And ultimately what we want to do is we want to make sure that we look at the ratio again, the conversion rate of the contact page visits to your inbox. Okay. I'm going to say that again the number of contact page visits to your inbox. Because what we want to see is how much your contact form is getting in the way of people inquiring. If somebody's going to the contact page, they have the intent of contacting you. The only thing standing in their way between them and your inbox is the contact form. If you're getting a ton of people to go from your homepage or whatever landing page they land on in your website, but then they go to the contact page and then they don't go any further, we know what the issue is. The issue is your contact form. You have heard me talk about contact forms before. You know that it's something that I am very passionate about, that I am very opinionated about. And I can see both ways, both the more fields and also the less fields, depending on what you want to get. But what I see a lot are people who are concerned about getting more bookings. They don't have enough inquiries. They're getting a ton of traffic on their website including their contact page. But the reason why they're not getting inquiries is because they have too many form fields or they ask the wrong questions on the form fields or require too many of those to be filled out. So we want to track what kind of changes you apply to your contact form and what kind of effects it has. And the best way to do that is to look at the number of people who inquire based on the number of contact page visits that you have. This is a conversion rate that you're looking for. The next number that we want to look at number of proposals sent. All right. This is a good measure of how effective you are getting people to get on the phone for a discovery call. My general sales process, this buyer's journey that we're going on is from the contact form to your inbox. And then you're going to try and get them on a phone call. If they're pre-qualified, you're going to qualify them on the discovery call. And then you're going to send out a proposal. And then hopefully you're going to talk to them again and book the deal. So we want to measure how good you are at getting people from the inquiry to the discovery call. And that's going to be a measure that we can look at for a conversion rate of number of proposals sent compared to the number of inquiries that you have. That's another conversion rate that we want to pay attention to. I'll tell you a story about a client of mine that I was working with. She and I had worked together for a while and we had set up a great inquiry response. She was getting a ton of people to respond positively and get on the phone with her. Well, 
a little time went by and she had made a change to the inquiry response that we had created this it wasn't a template but it was just a an approach that we used same kind of wording over and over again she had added something in addition to what we had talked about and what we saw over a couple of months was that she was not getting people to get on the phone when i went through and looked at these kpis with her we realized that there was something broken in the inquiry response because we were getting the inquiries we were still converting at a high rate once they had gotten the proposal but we weren't getting enough people the proposal in the first place and that was because of the inquiry response we went in we identified what was getting in the way we tweaked it and boom the conversion rate for the number of inquiries to the number of proposals went back up to where it was supposed to be so this is a perfect example of how when you identify what is at issue by looking at these kpis you know what you need to improve you cannot just put out general solutions to specific problems and expect good results. All right, so number of proposals sent. That is another KPI that we want to keep track of. The last one, and this is an easy one, number of bookings. Everybody has this number in mind, right? How many bookings have you made? And ultimately, what we're trying to get out of this one is a ratio, a conversion rate of the number of bookings that you have made compared to the number of proposals that you have sent. So the number of bookings that you make compared to the number of proposals that you send is going to be a function of how effective your proposal is at communicating value and providing reassurance that you are different and better and the right one to choose within the comp set. Your proposal and your pricing and your competitive advantages, that's what we're measuring here. If you want to fine tune your proposal and make some changes to it, which I'm all for, we should always be searching for improvements and we want to measure the changes that we have made, we're going to look at the number of bookings compared to the number of proposals. If it goes down, the changes we made are not good. If it goes up, the changes we made are good. Now, of course, you've got to have a valid amount of data to look at. That's why I like one month. Typically, that's a, a good measure. But even within that, depending on how busy or slow you are, you might have to do two or three months worth of data collection to be able to make an informed decision or at least an evaluation. These are slow changes that you have to make. And you have to make not very many changes at one time because you've got to be able to measure the effect of the change that you've made and doing your KPIs in the way that I've just described will allow that to happen. So we're going to look at, I'm going to review these here, the website visits, time on site, contact page visits, inquiries, proposals sent, bookings made. Those are the KPIs that will tell you at what point your buyers are leaving the buyer's journey. At what point are they saying, I'm abandoning this path that I'm on with this potential provider, and instead I'm going to go and seek information and services elsewhere. If they get to the website, but then they don't have a good time on it, they're going to leave. So you got to fix the website. If they're getting into the website, but not spending much time on it, you got to provide more and or interesting content to them. If they're getting to the contact page, but not filling out the form, you got to address the form. If they're inquiring, but you're sending them something that doesn't get them on the phone or get a follow-up email, it's the inquiry response we've got to look at. If you're getting them on the phone or getting to the point where you can send a proposal over, but they're not booking, then it's the proposal that's at issue. Now, this is not a perfect science, and there are certainly nuances within all of these different segments of the buyer's journey that we want to look at. But the buyer's journey is about micro-commitments. It's about getting people to make baby steps every step along the way. What we want to do is we want to go through and we want to evaluate where we think the biggest obstacle is 
What's the biggest barrier to making that extra commitment to move forward? And then we want to go through and we want to reduce that barrier, reduce the friction, eliminate the obstacle, make it easier, create the path of least resistance for your best clients to get to you and get them to that next step. When I have people come to me and say that they're worried about their pricing, it's typically because they sent the pricing too early. And within that problem, what we typically see is that they are not able to get the kind of bookings that they want. And so they blame the pricing or they blame the pricing guide. But what's really at issue is the order in which they're sending stuff out. And that creates a clouding, a muddying of the water of what really might be at issue. We tend to focus on the thing that happened last, but it could be that you're getting ghosted long before you ever send your pricing. Don't believe me? This could be a really scary number for you to look at, but go through and look at how many people went onto your website in the last six months. Then go through and look at how many people inquired. How many people went to your website in the last six months? How many people inquired in the last six months? I bet there are hundreds of people between those two numbers. Hundreds of people that are on your site, in your store, your online storefront, that are shopping. They are interested, but you haven't convinced them to hit your inbox yet. That's the kind of thing that will help you focus on the areas that matter most. Not the areas that other people are talking about or that might seem easy to fix or that you think you should be worried about because you just changed your pricing. Go upstream. If you've got 100 people every month that are going into your website, but you're getting only four inquiries, five inquiries a month, you got to make sure that you're focused on the 95 people who ghosted you before they ever got to your inbox. Not to the two or three times that you got ghosted when you sent your pricing guide. Identify what's at issue, dig into it a little bit, and then put out one simple change that you can make each month to try and improve it. And then go through and look at your KPI and see what happened. Did it go up or down? Better or worse? If it went better, great. Tweak something else. If it went worse, go through, figure out, okay, that didn't work. What do I need to change instead? Diagnosing the issue is far more valuable than generic solutions to problems that you don't know exist. Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we'd settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. 